Dragonfly Music presents the Connection Sessions, live at Foster Street Coffee in downtown Durham, North Carolina. Welcome to the Connection Sessions podcast, a weekly inspirational conversation with people I admire. One-on-one conversations with no agenda except to inspire and empower through authentic human connection. I'm your host, Karen Novi musician and songwriter, mom to two amazing kids. I want to thank Tracy Cooper and the staff at Foster Street Coffee for hosting us. Yeah, we're rolling. Okay. So um, this is session two of the Connection Sessions, and I am thrilled to have with me today Jessica McCoppin, um, who is someone that I met more recently um, when I was working at the Center for Child and Family Policy at Duke University. And um, Jessica has a master's in public health. And as I read in the bio that you sent me, um, has held a wide variety of (laughs) occupations, um, none of which I could really draw a line from or to. So I'm definitely uh, wanting to hear about that. And um, I would love for you to uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, and then um, we'll we'll get into the the uh, meat of the conversation. Okay, sure. welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Good. I'm happy to have you. Yeah. So yes, I've had a varied life, a varied career life. Mm-hmm. Um, goodness gracious! I think I when I was writing you, I said um, my first dream was to be the first black female president of the United States, right? Which I fully support. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very I would, exciting. I would, you would absolutely get my vote. No question at all. <laughs> so I grew up with a, a mom who was a nurse, um, okay. at sometimes a home visiting nurse, um, which get is interesting. Out. This, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That is interesting. Uh, and so I had dreams of going into medicine um, but my mom always said, you know, if you're really good at arguing, you should go into law. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Okay. Uh, so I went away to school really early um, for a number of reasons, including starting school early and skipping grades. And so I went away to college at 15 years what? old. What? <laughs> yeah. I thought that only happened in Europe. Oh what? Oh gosh, no. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was intense. And, Holy. you know, if I had to do it again, I would not make the same choice. Really? Right. Yeah, I wasn't okay. emotionally you, or socially emotionally prepared. prepared. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but I went away to school and studied wow. political science and English because I also had the secret dream to be a writer. Um, Which is not so secret anymore. Not because a secret. you just said it out loud. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So I spent um, four years in Provo, Utah at Brigham Young University, which was interesting for sure. I bet it was. Perhaps a good place for a 15-year-old to attend college. Yeah, that's why I was allowed to go. Um, Because my mom said, you can either stay home and go to a UC school and live here. The only other place you're allowed to go is um, BYU because there's this very strict honor code and nothing bad happens there. And... That was actually the truth. Uh, in four years there, I never saw any alcohol, drugs, sex, anything. Zero. Wow. So Zero. very safe. Wow. I, I heard through the grapevine that one couple had sex and got kicked out of school, but I didn't know that for sure. Gotcha. The wildest thing that I ever did in college wow. was go play a, clor- a quarter in the slot machine in Vegas. That's the wildest thing, literally, that I did in college. Wow. <laughs> so. Okay. It was really so, tame. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very tame. Um, and then I packed up my bags and moved to New Jersey. One, one, one might ask, <laughs> why? And that's coming from someone who was actually born and raised in New Jersey. Why would you move from Utah or California to New Jersey? So I had a roommate in college from South Jersey. Okay. And she, when she left school, she went back home and got a job in the mortgage business, which was booming at the time. Oh, okay. So this was the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Um, 99, really, but early 2000s as well. And so she left, and I was thinking about, what do I want to do with my life? You know, I don't want to stay. Because here I am, 19, and I've already got a college degree. what do I do? Wow. So I'm ready to go somewhere and do something. So I thought I wanted to go to medical school at Princeton. Mm. 
uh, but I didn't know that for sure. Okay. I hadn't studied pre-med at all. I just kind of went through this college experience in a bit of a daze, being so young and unprepared. Oh, yeah. So packed up my little Dodge Lancer and drove every single Dodge item. Dodge Lancer, <laughs> priceless piece of information. Absolutely. <laughs> and got to New Jersey and fell in love um, with this, you know, lush green place I got there in the summer oh. and it was just amazing and uh, so what, in what town was it? were you actually in Princeton or no or so I was okay. in Cinnaminson um, down Cinnaminson south. oh mm-hmm. yes I've, yes okay yeah right across the bridge from Philly so okay I um, interestingly enough got well I was trying to figure out what to do got a job at Blockbuster Video because it was just down the road yeah and Makes sense. didn't know what else to do and Many of my best friends in life are from those blockbuster days. Um, that is amazing. And they're part of the reason I moved to Durham. We'll get there. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. What an intricate web. I know. Very intricate. At <laughs> such a young age. <laughs> so I oh moved into the mortgage world because my friend, and she's like, there are so many jobs. Yeah. And there were so many jobs. So I started down that path. And it's a path you get in real deep, real fast because I was young and you could make a lot of money and you could, I don't know. It was just kind of exciting and fast paced. Yeah. Um, And I got to use a lot of um, secret math skills, but also relationship skills. You know, a lot of it was like coaching people through a process, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see that. What would I know about home buying at 21 really not not a lot but I learned a lot yeah yeah so I did that for many years um and I think a good a good coach or somebody who is uh, a good listener and understands people uh, and uh, conversational connection is able to use that whether you know whether you actually have like the hands-on knowledge or experience of that thing, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So there's that's definitely a skill set. I think that doesn't necessarily have to be married to the knowledge, but and you're learning as you go, right? And so, so I could see that being successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I was really pretty unprepared for such a large corporate environment as well. I mean, I think I just was. The person always like, do we have to treat people this way? And protesting and writing letters to the bosses and all. Oh, I was, oh. I was a bit of a, oh. um, <laughs> I, I, of yeah. an activist. I be, you're an activist at heart, and I bet that corporate environment just did not see you coming. Oh no, at all. No, oh. they didn't. Oh. Um, so it was painful for all of us. For painful a little for while. everyone. Yeah, yeah. But I got through it, and I got Good. better at that. Um, but along the way, um, you know, life stuff happens. And so I uh, went back to California for a little bit to take care of a sick uncle, a sick great uncle, um, and spent some time as he lived his last months um, dying of brain cancer. Because um, this was your mom's uncle? My mom's uncle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And while I was wow. there, was it was that? Like, oh, heartbreaking. Lord. And oh I gosh. learned a lot. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't really known him growing up because he lived in Seattle and huh. we were in Southern California, so we didn't see him a ton. So I learned a lot about his very interesting life, which he had like been a matador in Spain for a little while, and he was the postmaster general in Seattle, and he had this incredible classical music collection and a studio at home for you know audio. Yeah. Um, experiences not just listening but like it was a thing and like so a full, full on yeah experience now did you go to seattle or did it was he he, he came, came and lived at my grandfather's house okay and my grandfather and grandmother weren't married even anymore but we have such a big wild um family yes I was, well, <laughs> yeah. get to that too yeah. i was reading about that like, so he uncle jay came to la okay. and so i was there helping take care of him and i have wanted to also be a chef for a long time. I still actually do want to do that. So while I was in California, uh, I started going to culinary school for a little bit as well. Nice. Um, but then I got antsy and I, you know, hadn't, I wanted my freedom always, you know, I always had a whole lot of, you're not the boss of me, whether you're my parent, my teacher, my boss, whomever, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it wasn't working for me. 
packed up, moved back to New Jersey, um, and then spent some time working in the hospitality industry. So I work half the year in a gorgeous resort in Linville, North Carolina, in the mountains. No way. Beautiful. Linville's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And so I work also, I've had so many jobs, and many of them at the same time. So while I was there, I also worked at um, Blockbuster and Boone. So met more of the best friends of life. Amazing. Blockbuster is the key to life, apparently. And the doors are closed, so I'm a little worried. (laughs) Yeah, for for everyone. How do you make your teenage (laughs) friendships? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So I did that for a couple years. Half New Jersey um, and then half North Carolina during the golf season. Okay. Um, And in New Jersey, you were in the hospitality industry as well. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, And then got very seriously then into the mortgage business after that. So that was just kind of a little small stint at the beginning, returned to that and stayed doing that for quite some time. Um, And then I just found myself moving up in that world and it was a world I didn't care a lot about. You know, I I enjoyed learning, of course, and I, again, enjoyed the relationships. and you know some of my best friends today also I did loans for um but I didn't care about the the rates and the market you know people like woke up and got so excited about like you know what's the treasury doing today and I'm like I don't care I care about how to move people from here to there right I care about um you say you want to buy a house and you're not ready how do I help get you ready how do we set goals? How do we do all of that? Wow. Right. Very different mindset. Very from different. From the person that people that are there just for the financial aspect, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and you strike me as a person who, like, I, I really can't see you in just knowing you as, as briefly as I have in something that's not fully creative. So you've expressed all these other things that you desire to do, um, including being the first black female president. Yeah. Um, uh, being a writer. Uh, being a chef, you know, you you definitely to me breathe creativity and life and evolution, and it's it it makes perfect sense to me that that w- environment would not be enough for you, or or would be lacking something, I guess ultimately. Yeah, and it did, and you know, while I was there, I would try to create things because I had to do something, so I'd create new ways of selling loans and create I created a, a website and you know looked around and kind of saw the landscape and thought how could we do that here and so I was always creating something it just wasn't something mm. that I felt super deeply about right okay gotcha so that was yeah. yeah so I because you're right you're once a creative person always a creative person you and you can bring that to to any environment it's true Yeah, so, but I can understand both angles. Sounds like it wasn't quite the right fit for you. It wasn't, but I kept trying and, you know, trying enough to keep getting promoted in some way, but not enough to fall in love with it. And so I applied to culinary school again and got in again. Awesome. um, And was really excited to go to the restaurant school in Philadelphia. Nice. Yeah. Okay, wow. But then all of a sudden I had this, like, you know, personal crisis of, I have been cooking my entire life. You know, I started way early. I was the oldest of four kids to a single mom and we all had to have our responsibilities and my favorite of mine was cooking. And so I'd been reading and studying my whole life about cooking. Wow. So I had this vision of being, becoming a chef and opening restaurants. Um, But then I had this crisis like culinary school is hundred thousand dollars and I am gonna have to start chopping onions in someone's kitchen when I've been cooking for my whole life already oh and that whole no one's the boss of me thing and all no of a sudden it was yeah. like I was like wait you're not gonna <laughs> tell me to dice some damn onions uh, when I can uh, gumbo circles around your ass exactly yeah, or exactly. whatever you yeah. know it's so true and yeah. so I didn't do it um, and I packed up my stuff. I met a guy from New York. I was still living in Jersey. We decided to meet in um, a a neutral meeting ground of Pennsylvania Um, when (laughs) my mortgage company at the time asked me to go open a branch of of the mortgage company in Pennsylvania. And I believe, 
I've heard, no, I'm just making this up. I was going to try to say it with a straight face that <laughs> Pennsylvania is the Switzerland of the United States, <laughs> but that is not the case. I just wanted to uh, add that little <laughs> I have both sides of my family from, from various parts of Pennsylvania, so... Anyway, <laughs> I, I like that the Switzerland. It, it makes sense. It in kind some of ways. feels like, especially yeah. between New Jersey and New York people, right? Absolutely. It's like if you go to Pennsylvania, you're like, there's something that's sort of, you know, sort of peaceful, uh, you know, um, non-debating, non-argumentative ground about that. Unless you're talking to Eagles fans or Philly oh, fans in oh, general, that's true. then it's right. just then then it's all hell breaks loose. So that part we can just take right. out of the Switzerland. Exactly, yeah. right. Ex everything except Philly. Yeah. Um, so I packed up everything, moved to Pennsylvania, started this branch of the mortgage company, wow. and was doing some of what I loved. So what I was really doing at that time was teaching credit unions how to do mortgages. Okay. Um, you know, there's this whole secondary market world of mortgages, and so I was teaching people how to do that. And... My company said, oh, the laws have changed, which there were a lot of laws changing at that time. So this was um, 2009. Okay. And, you know, the crisis was in full oh, yeah. downfall. And oh, so yeah. laws were, you know, getting chopped down, changed all the time. So they said, oh, well, we don't need a physical presence in Pennsylvania anymore. Can you move back? And I said, I just packed up my entire life and moved to this state for you all. Um, no, I will not move back. And so that day I went online and thought, what do I really care about? Hmm, that always comes back to food and people and teaching and feeding. And so I went and that day applied for school and started um, a degree in nutrition two months later. Um, you literally did it that day that you that you yeah. said no. I'm not doing that. I'm not so. moving back. I'm staying here, and check that out, people. <laughs> Making it happen. Same day. Same day. Decision. Goal setting. Love it. Oh, it was wow. Yeah, it felt really good. And so I had had a boss, an amazing, amazing boss, who had been trying to re-recruit me for years. And so I went to him and I said, I'm ready to come back, but here are my conditions. I need to demote myself. I need you to demote me because I need to be able to focus on school. And so I need you to know I'm willing to work hard as I always do, but I need my hours to be flexible and I need to be present and available to change the course of my life. And so if you can allow that to happen, I will come and work for you because you're the best boss I've ever had. Wow. And he said, come on back. Wow. Yeah. And so that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that you could, uh, formulate that idea right and, and put this uh, this desire this goal that you have before you um, in front of someone for for in a work environment to be open to you as you say changing your life mm -hmm. and being fully present to do that and that that is amazing to me that somebody in in that corporate environment would be would be open and supportive of that that to me only is a testament to a, how awesome you are, because he wanted you back working for him, and um, B, how um, good you are at uh, stating what you are and are not willing to do, mm. you know what I mean, in, in, in a particular situation. So that is awesome. Amazing. And as I'm saying it aloud, I'm like, I'm talking to someone who has just changed the course of their life <laughs> and their work and all these things too, so. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yes. <laughs> So first time in a long time, yeah. yeah, yeah. There is one thing that I, I want to just say here about my observations of you and my um, just few brief connections with you is that there is undoubtedly um, you bring with you into at least the situation of our past work environment, and I'm guessing all a lot of the other situations uh, <clears throat> relationships in your life is a really huge sense of community. Mm -hmm and belonging and love and support like you can just feel that emanating from you um, and ju just by by virtue of you initiating the uh the monthly soup mm -hmm. uh soup <laughs> gatherings which i was just like this woman is just there she's my people i don't know i just couldn't believe it i was like this is amazing so uh 
that is a wonderful, valuable gift and, and skill set that you bring, I think. So yeah, I just wanted to say you. that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think part of that is because I left home at 15 and truly never went back to my home base. I have had to create family wherever I go. Mm-hmm. And I've lived in so many different states. Yeah. Um, states of being, states of location, states of all the things. I'm right? so glad you said that because <laughs> it was hanging out there. I was like, do I say it? Do I go there? Yeah. Not just physical states, but yeah. All of it. All of it. And yeah, so I yeah. truly have the gift of friendship. Not not my friendship, the, the friendship that's given to me. Gotcha, gotcha. And so yeah, I yeah. know how life-changing that is. Absolutely. Uh, because I totally I, agree. I think it's probably saved my life in some instances, you know, literally. Like, yeah, I bet. It, it's just um, friends who have carried me through what has been a wonderful but at times difficult life. And so I think we spend so much time at work that if there is the possibility to carve out a place to be able to put your shoulders down and breathe, um, breathe in some of that connection mm-hmm. and friendship, yeah. um, rather than getting up and dreading, you know, going to a place. Yeah, I think for me it's important to love what I do, but also to at least appreciate um, the people that I work with as humans, not just as workers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I fully believe. I I believe that too. That's something that's important to me, and it's probably why. I, I stayed at the center so long because of those very real friendship, human connections that existed there for me. I, um, I used to joke, you know, complain about like, I can't get any work done because everybody <laughs> wants to come and have a conversation. But I will say in this, you know, period of, of um, you know, leaving that position after seven years, um, I, tr- I truly miss that. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the reason why I wanted to launch these connection sessions was because selfishly I thought well then I can get to see everybody you know one-on-one and it's not everybody from work but at least I would have that sort of um, that connection sort of building me up and also grounding me you know so that I'm not just floating out in the universe as I might tend to do mm-hmm. should I not have that so I, I, I have a, a rich sort of fantasy <laughs> imagery life and so sometimes I find that I, I would just sort of float away if um, if I didn't initiate that and it really grew very naturally out of that desire for authentic human connection I think and um, probably why um, one of the reasons why I wanted you to come so badly today because we didn't get a whole lot of time together there but I'm hoping that we can begin and establish and continue a friendship yeah. from this point. So I'm excited about that and I'm inspired by what you've done and your big changes and you know I think for me it might not be so much I have maybe some fantasy you know um, floating on air kind of spirit but I also have this very introverted nature that is a secret to a lot of people like you just I am an introvert also yeah yeah and so I I think I have to um push myself sometimes to make those connections um or else I might just go home and read every day which is wonderful right but I I also like I spent the first 15 years of my life like reading and playing piano and that's all Mm -hmm. All the other kids are outside playing kickball, whatever, doing what kids do. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good right here, all by myself, yeah. my little world. Yeah, so I get that, like isolation. Mm-hmm. Good, also bad. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, you know, I just try to um, bring a little bring a little family spirit with me wherever I go. And it happens very well around food. Yes. Right. So just, absolutely right. Yeah. That I mean, there is no greater, more beautiful connection than a, a group of people sitting around a table sharing a meal and conversation. Right? Yeah, it's just absolutely it's organic and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So this is why we eat soup at work on, you know, the first Monday first of the Monday month. Monday of the month. Yeah, exactly. I have to I have to mark my calendar for the next one. Yeah, because regardless of whether I actually work there or not, I'm coming. You should absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your. Um, <clears throat> what you told me about uh, your mom mm-hmm. and her health issues, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, because something that struck me was that you and I both went through a pretty intensely traumatic 
experience with a parent at the same age. Wow. I was 11 when my father was diagnosed with leukemia and lymphoma, and uh, he passed away a month before my 12th birthday. So I, um, you know, when I talk about a formative experience, I mean, it was it was so much. Um, it so much informed my life, you know. I mean, to this day, but really for that for the next 15 to 20 years, the um, just being a child and not understanding how to process that grief, um, and you know, having lost someone who was so. Um, you know, important to me personally. I, I was the youngest of four. I was still daddy's little girl, and um, he and I shared piano. He's, he was a pianist and a, a piano teacher out of our home, a musician. Um, and when I was actually when I was five, he left the business world that he was you know using to support his family. He took a leap of faith and established a music studio in our home. And so that. Um, you know, even that piece was formative uh, for me, um, not just in my recent decisions to leave my day job to become a full-time musician and songwriter, but um, I, I realized recently that um, I think part of the big thing that was holding me back um, from truly stepping into this, you know, 20 years ago when, when I knew it was what I wanted to do, um, was because I, my 11-year-old self made a correlation between my father doing the thing he loved and then becoming fatally ill and passing away. Yeah. So I, I just unearthed that like six months ago, mm. and man, wow, that was mind-blowing because I attributed something so devastatingly final and negative to following your passion. Mm. And that is, ooh, that really, like, that blew me apart in, back in December. And I, it's been really, really amazing to learn that because so much of my decision-making and so much of my 20, past 20 years makes sense to me now mm -hmm. because all I was doing was trying to sort of primally survive. And I figured if I could just bury it maybe deep enough, you know, and that, that was in combination with probably not, believing in myself, having the confidence that I could do this thing and that people would want to hear what I have to say either as a as a person or as a musician songwriter, you know, lyrically and musically. So um, it's it's sort of a long way of, of, of saying that that was a that was a really formative thing for me. That that was the negative um, piece of it and um, you know, there are positive silver linings, you know, obviously to any situation and any challenge. But when I read that, um, you know, what you shared with me about, about your mom and her uh, challenges, I just thought, wow, here's a person that took that situation and, and I don't know yet emotionally how you process, processed it, but it seemed to me that you physically took the bull by the horns mm -hmm. and just did what you had to do. Whereas with me, I became the emotional um, healer of my family at such a young age and didn't ever learn to sort of physically, logistically take care of my needs. So I kind of had, a, have, had, had an opposite sort of, you know, I guess, reactive thing happen. So um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about, about what, what you went through and how, I mean, I can only imagine as the oldest of four, I'm the youngest of four, having you know, your, your single parent um, lose an ability to take care of you on, in a very real way yeah. must have been, I, I mean, okay, I'm just going to let you speak. Yeah. If, it was, if you don't mind. No, not at all. So it was um, pretty, um, pretty life-changing for sure. We were um, on our way celebrating uh, my 12th birthday, uh, going up to the mountains, and the weather was terrible, and all four of us, all four kids, and my mom were in the car, and uh, they were baby twins. So I have a brother and sister that are 10 years younger than I am. So they were one at the time, one and a half. Uh, and then my brother, Zach, was about 16 months younger than I am. And so there was um, someone coming down the mountain in a truck and slammed oh. on the brakes. and 
fishtailed all over and you know pushed us up to the side of the mountain against the the guardrail uh, and the front end of the car collapsed on my mom's leg um, mm. and I just remember my mom being so calm like and that was scary in and of itself right so the ambulance came people came to help and she just because there was um, gas leaking and the thing, things were starting and she just said please get the kids out of the car don't worry about me please get the kids out of the car um wow yeah like eerily calm eerily calm right um yeah and so my mom was taken away in an ambulance and we didn't see her again for a while wow uh, because she her her leg was crushed um and so she had uh, some internal bleeding going on. She had some other issues going oh, on from the accident. And we were, I, I was on crutches for a while. Um, I was going to ask if any of you were, were yeah. hurt. I mean, I, we, the babies were okay. I think there was some, um, I mean, there was some impact because they had, you know, some blackish eyes for a little while. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we made it out really pretty fine. Um, and we ended up living with our godparents for a while while my mom was in multiple multiple surgeries I guess yeah yeah in a hospital setting as well as probably a rehab right, right. yeah and following that mm-hmm. and so she and how old was your mom at the time 37 wow mm. so, yeah okay so young. yeah and, and she, she was a nurse by trade she was so. a nurse and super you know like my mom was so active so she was a champion swimmer growing up she you know she was a daredevil you know I remember growing up with a mom who was like literally climbing mountains and diving off cliffs into water and I'm like I'm not good for this I'm gonna stay on the sidelines I can't I won't yes Um, barely watch you do it yeah oh oh wow so she was very very active um also a musician so my mom played guitar my whole life Um, yeah, she's, she's a musician as well. And so, you know, we spent months away from her. Um, and imagine, I mean the babies, like, so I had just turned 12, but the twins, um, right. Like, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we finally got back together, my mom was bedridden for some time. And so it I don't know that I had an option other than to take the bull by the horns, right? Because I was the oldest, um, and there just wasn't another option. You know, she's a single woman, and so we just had to figure it out. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was so much that changed. Uh, this accident, <laughs> she just started a new nursing job, and her there was, the accident happened within the 90 days of her benefits starting. Oh. So everything had to be paid out of pocket. Oh. Um, and so it was oh. pretty financially devastating as well. Absolutely. Um, and luckily we have some family who was able to support. Um, but, you know, we went from honestly working, going to the soup kitchen to support families on the weekends to needing the soup kitchen. And so it was a, a big shift. Uh, yeah. And not that we, you know, had a ton. She was a single mom with four kids. But right. we always had enough. But you always had enough. Um, you had and then we didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, that also really taught me a lot about what I wanted to do later in life. I was just going to say <laughs> that, absolutely. Like, I just got chills because I'm like, that That adverse, challenging experience absolutely informed uh, some of the stuff that we've talked about that you're interested in yeah. now, which is, you know... I'll say a silver lining. I don't know. It's just, it's a, you know, something positive or important that came out of that experience, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Wow. So it was a long haul. You know, the first part at home was she was bedridden for quite some time and then was in a wheelchair for a while. Um, Eventually was um, with a lot of physical therapy over time able to walk again um, and shifted her nursing career from a lot of mobile nursing to um, more coaching roles later as well. So mm-hmm. training nurses and um, you know even some 
case management, which you can do a lot on the telephone. And right, right. she still did some home visiting later. Um, so, yeah, it was... It certainly gave me a lot of home skills. So I, you know, For I sure. went away when I finally went Well, that's away. what I'm thinking. Like, only three <laughs> years later, you're going off to college. Right. So, that you know, that's a trial by fire kind of education there in yeah. terms of taking care of yourself, taking care of a household, mm-hmm. taking care of uh, the person um, who used to take care of you, um, and then and then going off. Did that... Did that I'm, I'm trying to get my head around how on earth... <laughs> you were able to sort of, you know, skip grades and finish high school early while all of this is going on on the home front. And I'm, and I'm just wondering, is that, is that even part, is that part of the picture? Is it, mm-hmm. was that sort of incentive to kind of try to get onto the next phase of your life or was that not something that you considered, you know, uh, in, a, in a real way? I definitely knew that I wanted to get on to the next phase of my life. I knew that, but I also, early on, so my mom was such a great advocate for me, and so um, she, you know, my first, she was my first teacher, right? And I was so curious and always have 1,000 questions, and so I was reading and writing before I went away to school, and so I just was always a few steps ahead, and it started to turn into boredom and disengagement Mm. and so my mom just said we have to stop everything like she we're going to lose this child who has so much curiosity she needs to be moved up right and so I was able to start kindergarten early and then skip a grade and so much of the the movement happened before but then I also went away to college between my junior and senior year Um, so I started college the summer between your junior and senior year so you had then even another semester sort of under your belt yeah so it just was this kind of series of things that happened and just always being so wanting to know more and but your mother saw that and you I mean Mm -hmm. you know there are a lot of parents that would sort of look at that and just you know maybe be overwhelmed by that or not really know how to engage or what to do about it she was sounds like she was very proactively advocating for you to you know um honor your intellectual curiosity and your advancement and all that that's amazing that's yeah. awesome she, and she you know <clears throat> she was also so smart um and so curious and did want to really encourage me to dream as big as I wanted to um and also probably knew that me and boredom don't go well together so I would become a disruption to lots of people if that happened <laughs> gotcha. so. so she's also like trying to hedge her bets a little bit <laughs> absolutely like, let's keep this kid stimulated yeah so as not to cost me more pain in my life yes <laughs> absolutely oh that's funny yeah that she wow you know she i think handled it um as as well as she could you know i'm older now than she was then um, and so I can't imagine what my life would be like had I had this. Like, this I, I just person can't. Look, looking to you, for, I, yeah, yeah, I know, and I know. It blows your mind sometimes. Especially right? so, she had four kids. I have zero kids, right? And right. I, I'll be forty this year. She was thirty-seven when this happened. So first of all, I can't even imagine having four kids. Right. But then having your physical, whole physical being change and something that was so such a big part of her that activity and right not not least of which her career which was an active nursing career but also just her 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 person right she was an active person and that to have that like just boom stripped away so so quickly in that Mm -hmm. moment I would have wow what a strong what a strong person yeah she was and she I think she found a lot of her um solace and strength and her faith and so during this time um, so I grew up Catholic um, as did I yeah and then that didn't last very long I'm a recovering Catholic I like to say <laughs> um, yes. yeah 10 years of Catholic school mm. sort of in that whole my dad was the church organist my mom was in the choir yeah there's a whole thing there that's another episode everybody <laughs> I think I could have a group of people for that one. Okay. Yes. Anyway. Yeah, you, you'll have to have a whole table full. Um, but so she, 
left the Catholic Church because she felt like the Catholic Church left her um, during this oh. time. So the accident happened, and my mom had been the music minister and all of these things. Really? And, okay. Yeah, and then the friends stopped showing up. And so oh. Mormon missionaries came walking, and she was a captive audience, literally, bedridden in, right. in wheelchairs. Sure. And right. so that message worked for her. So we converted um, uh, around my 14th birthday, which is how BYU and Provo came into the picture. It wouldn't have been a, probably an option to even think about otherwise. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So then her, you know, she really found a lot of strength and focus in that um, and really spent a lot of time involved in church for the rest of her life. Um, I only spent a short few years being Mormon. Um, didn't work so well for right. all the things I wanted to do. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially as a teenager, I would think, uh, who, who had not had that experience prior, you were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> it actually and was not, perfect for my teenage years. It probably was, actually. Yeah. yeah. It was probably like, you had the perfect Mormon stint mm -hmm. in there. Like, that was like, you know, the ideal time sort of keeping you, you know, safe and focused and, and uh, you know, out of trouble, so to speak, you know, and then you move forward with making your own choices, I guess, from that point. So your mom is not still alive. She's not. She passed away in 2017. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. She um, developed um, breast cancer, which metastasized into brain cancer, oh. um, and also had some pretty serious complications with her lungs. Um, she had pulmonary fibrosis that developed and so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So Mother's Day was not my best yeah, showing. Yeah. Not such. Yeah. Yeah. Not so. Not so no. good. Not so fun. But I, you know, I'm getting. I don't know that I ever get used to it. Like I'm sure you know, with your dad, like you don't get used to you. You don't anything. ever like it, right? You don't ever get comfortable with yeah. it, but you do make peace with it to a certain extent, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but not in two years' time. No. That is far too close, and uh, and especially for someone who was so um, actively important in your life. I mean, as our, our mothers are, I mean, our parents are, mm -hmm. right? But there's specifically something about moms, I think, that um, really inform uh, the people that we shape, you know, into. And, um, right, we all come into the world with our own unique soul, and you for sure has a, have, a <laughs> have a unique, strong one, and I love it so much. Um, but obviously your mother was very instrumental and important um, in your life and and that is a big loss mm -hmm. like I I feel you know interestingly as as Im impactful as my father's death was on me mostly probably because of my age but also because of who he was as a person um, my mother and I um, you know became very close um, and was sort of her emotional support and um, you know to this day we're, we're we're super close and even she who you know she's amazingly healthy and in uh, beautiful shape for in her early 80s um, the idea of not physically having her around is a, you know a devastating thought that I can't even almost you know let come into my uh, consciousness so um, all by way of saying, um, it's a it's a devastating loss for you, and I imagine you will never fully recover from that. I mean, if I'm just being honest, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's. Um, however, having said that, I I really believe in the um, the universal consciousness and the. Um, the energy of people that have been in our lives and affected our lives, um, I don't think that their um, their energy, their 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 soul, right? I don't, their their um, abstract invisibleness. Um, I don't think that goes away. At least that's been my experience with my father. I have 
encounters with my father, <laughs> you know, like, which is amazing. And um, too few and far between, you know, in my opinion, but there are, there are just such times where I feel him, his presence so strongly that I, it removes any doubt for me about um, the energetic connection that we all have, um, alive or dead, right, physically, um, in, in this, in this human experience, so. Ooh, that was a lot to say. <laughs> that was a little more metaphysical than I planned for. Um, but that's the beauty of these conversations because you never know where you're going to end up. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I want to address also, since you work at the Center for Child and Family Policy, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about um, the other thing you shared with me, which is um, something that you fiercely believe in because I also um, I have trouble understanding the inequality mm-hmm. It really, I haven't really been able to do anything about it, you know, but it troubles me, it troubles me deeply. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I've worked with kids, you know, in public school settings, and uh, I see, you know, the kids in both of my kids' um, school environments. I see families around Durham. And uh, there is systemically a huge problem, you know, as it relates to uh, families, you know, getting what they need, especially in the form of healthy food, which mm-hmm. really, for for you, has been a part of your life from the from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Like the idea of food and community, and um, as it relates to families and opportunities and so I'd like to talk a little bit about that if you don't mind and sorry I got a little emotional it's um it's it's a hard issue because it's such a it's such a vast issue mm-hmm. and I just don't know where to start sometimes yeah. like I want to I want to know what to do mm-hmm. you know what I mean so. absolutely okay. yeah I mean and it is a very emotional issue certainly yeah um yeah, and so I, you know, when I made that decision to go get a degree in nutrition, it was not because I wanted to become anyone's dietitian, but it was because I knew that somehow it kept coming back to feeding people, right? And mm-hmm. I love science, and so I knew that there was a whole lot of science involved, but I wanted to learn more um, and have this kind of foundational knowledge about. Um, this topic and then I rolled that into my public health degree which Mm. I spent also focusing on food and nutrition and so I you know I grew up in this very kind of split world so my mom comes from a wealthy family Um, and so you know we would be attending parties with you know caviar at five-star resorts Mm. and then coming home after my mom's accident to potato flakes right and just like this huge dichotomy of experiences and so you know I really saw um, and felt you know how how much of a difference you can make by um, not only giving someone a, a warm meal cooked with your hands and some care but teaching people how to do that for themselves and so I spent some time um, teaching nutrition education to um, individuals with developmental delays, and then I started um, directing a cooking um, school for kids, which was the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Wow! So so fun. Oh yeah. Um, and along because kids are awesome at that. Oh, they like there's no parameters. They're Zero. like. Why can't I put chocolate and green peppers together oh, or whatever? Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just like wide open and they yeah. just they they love it because it's a creative action. It is. It's totally. a it's it's a physical thing, but it's creative and yeah, they can bring yeah. that together. Yeah. Oh, that must have been awesome. It was <clears throat> honestly, it's my favorite job that I've ever had because I could sing and be silly and cook and create and try out recipes and think and still put processes and still teach and do all these other things that I love to do. Yes. Oh. And so we did a lot of great stuff um, at that um, at that company, uh, and so we 
ended up, you know, turning like Martin Luther King Day into our day of service where we'd cook for the to, for the churches and their freezers and Aww. do all this really fun stuff. And so, you know, I just kept um, seeing over and over. And I, you know, again, I know a lot of people <clears throat> started their nutrition degree to become a clinical dietitian, which is, there's a huge need for that. Sure. But whenever I was thinking about it, I kept thinking about, you know, what happens when you don't have, right? What what are the consequences there? Right. Uh, and of not having the skills and not having the resources, not having the access. Absolutely. To the healthy food. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. so I, I kept um, working on that. And so I ended up shifting out of my mortgage life um, and started this kind of world of being a personal chef with my skills that I had and doing this cooking school thing and doing a lot of teaching and a lot of volunteer work at uh, the food banks and just kind of seeing how all of this comes together. Uh, and it just became clear to me. So there's so much um, inequality baked into our systems, but I got to see it so much at a, a food systems level and just recognizing that, you know, we were working in my last job with you know, family families with limited resources, and there were all these, you know, expectations for them to show up to this certain number of classes in order to graduate them and to do all of these things. And I kept thinking, like, how do you, how do you have that much stability in your life if you don't know where your next meal is coming from, right? Right. Like, how can you commit to that, dedicate to that when you are there's so much, there's so many variables and unanswered questions and things not taken care of and you know i right it seems like a yeah there's a disconnection there and i know where all of my meals are coming from now but if i miss one i can't even think straight i can't even think (laughs) to the next meeting right right? sure so how do we expect parents and children children who are sitting in school children to perform how can they perform they haven't had breakfast or or a healthy breakfast or or maybe they even haven't eaten like maybe they've had a couple noodles over the weekend and a snack from the corner store and then we're expecting them to show up on monday right ready Ready to go tuned up and energized it's impossible and so just think about all of the ways that there is enough food you know there's it, there's enough food in the food system it's this problem of resource management education connection removing the stigma and that's actually one of the reasons that i ended up at family connects because i just kept thinking in my job with penn state uh, where i led a team of uh, public health and nutrition educators in the field that because a lot of what we did was connect people to resources, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you're hungry. But if you're hungry, you have seven other things going on for sure. Right. Almost always, yes, right? sure. So then there's likely a transportation issue, and there may be environmental issues in your home, and there may be all of these things. Right, right. Um, and so I kept thinking there's got to be a way to connect people to the right resources at the right time yeah, with yeah. intention. Mm. And so I decided to look for a job and when I found this idea of what you know Family Connects really is about right um thought oh my gosh like this is the thing I've been kind of building in my head I had no idea about the nurse home visit that part wasn't but this kind of community alignment piece which is what I do now yes um became so palpably powerful to me um because it is it is about making those connections and and when you see what is when people have what they need mm. and you know it's kind of this uh, you know the hierarchy of needs thing like if you're if you're worried about where you're gonna put your head at night and if there's enough food how can you worry about the next level and the next right. level and next level right? right so people are if you can kind of fill that deficit right. and give people the opportunity to step to that next level right, right? I think it changes not just families but communities and the world literally literally i I know i know it's it seems like we're talking about you know such a huge leap but it's not it just makes such perfect sense to provide for needs at a very basic level Mm -hmm. and then people can move up and move forward and sort of reach their potential in other ways absolutely right like you have to be able to sleep and eat like Mm -hmm. 
on a very just primal physical level like you said you skip a meal all of a sudden you're like, you don't know whether you're coming or going mm -hmm. you know imagine if that's happening you know for days upon weeks upon months mm -hmm. right what that does to yeah. a, to a family or to a child or to, you know anybody who's experiencing mm -hmm. that um, it's just going to lead to deficits in every other area. Certainly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, the work that I'm doing now isn't necessarily related to food, of course, but it's that idea of transforming the system, of making those connections. Transformation is, and connection. Those are the two words that keep coming to me, you know? Yeah. And they're, I mean, they are the words, right? Like, right. like they're, yeah. Yeah. There is no uh, other thing. There is yeah. no, right? I mean, on, on a very human level, mm -hmm. connection, you know, and um, meeting needs equals transformation. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it's, yeah. it seems so simple. It does. I mean, why I, are we <laughs> epically failing at this? I, I, oh. I feel like we're epically failing at this. I don't know. I, I, I mean, right? I mean, wouldn't you say that, I, I'm not talking about Durham, I'm talking about just like at, at a, as a whole community. Yeah. I think there <clears throat> is a lot of failure and disconnection, but I also see these pockets of love mm. and these efforts like, you know, even I, I, I'm so excited to be doing the work that I'm doing now, mm. right? There are programs, but there are, there are places, there are these, you know, informal ways that people come to wrap around each other mm. and to support each other and to uh, remove those barriers to, you know, connection with uh, physical needs and resources, but also with the emotional and spiritual ones as well. And yes. so I see there are models um, being built that inspire how we can think about it and what we can do about it. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly where I live on the, the optimism, pessimism scale, but what I do believe is that um, sometimes things have to burn to the ground before you fix them, right? Like, because if you keep building on top of broken systems, mm -hmm. um, the foundation's broken. Yeah. And so I... I believe in like sometimes you gotta tear it Just out to the it ground. Right down to yeah. The, yeah. Totally down and then you you can look and see, you know, what is available, who needs to be at the table, and the answer is everybody, right? Everybody. <laughs> yes. The answer is every single person yes. needs to have a voice. Uh, and then you can start building building those bridges and building those linkages that that do change the community and you know I do I see some of that um, certainly here in Durham I'm so excited to live here mm. uh, I've been here I guess for nine or ten months already and so I've been you know watching where do I want to get involved what do I want to do right uh, and I'm excited about some of the things that I see you know there is a lot of interesting organizing going on in Durham and there are problems, of course, right? But there are solutions that are rising up, and I feel really grateful to work with people who have ideas about this, but also um, continue to to read and to learn and to listen and to get out of my space of just listening to podcasts and reading, but like going out into communities and figuring out what's actually happening and how right. do I find a seat at the table and help make a difference in small ways, but right. also have a difference made on me, right? Like it's right. Sure. It's, it's always, reciprocal. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. It's mm -hmm. a, it's, it's always, it's always a cycle. And I, I'm a firm believer in, uh, you know, you, you get back what you give, you know, I think, you know, karmically at the very least, you know, but I think physically and um, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and I just, yeah, I want to I want to just add that if there are, um, you know, when this podcast goes up, if there are um, links and resources that we that I can add to that for people who either need resources mm -hmm. or people who want to um, help in giving resources or volunteering in some way, uh, maybe we can add that to um, to the to the website and to the podcast. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. I will think of um, 
think of some of those tangible things, but I, a lot of what I really end up thinking about and listening to are the ideas to change it, right? Mm. And so yeah, yeah. I think there are so many, um, so many good podcasts out there about, you know, even about, they're doing a lot of podcasts about effective altruism, like how to make your money and effort really make a difference. I've been listening mm. to things like that. And that's a great, that's a great point because I do think that some people struggle with what to do mm. and how to do it and, and how, how to really affect positive change in a, in a very tangible, real way. Right. And, um, and I, and I for sure think that conversation is a huge first part, right, of that. Like, there, people need to be getting together and talking. And the bottom line is we all share the same human experience, right? We all um, have emotional lives and, and spiritual lives and uh, mental lives and physical lives. And, and we all... Um, inhale and exhale you know we all you know god willing put one foot in front of the other to get where we're going and regardless of you know ability or socioeconomic status um we need to come together right and be talking and 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 understand that there is a systemic problem and it's all of our responsibility right to to address this mm-hmm. so Totally agreed. Yeah. Jessica, this has been an amazing conversation. You are an awesome individual. I'm so glad to have met you. Thank you for coming on today, talking the connection sessions. And we'll continue (laughs) it again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been really wonderful. It's been really great. Okay. Peace, everyone.